the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. I'm Gregory Patrick for AM860, The Answer. And I'm on. This is Dr. Bill, your radio MD on a lovely, well, I don't know if it's going to be lovely or not, but a hot and muggy 4th of July weekend in the Tampa Bay area. And uh, we're doing a show. We got Ken and me and music and flags. And uh, what else we got, Ken? We got some fireworks today or no? Uh, Many places are having their fireworks today. Yeah, yeah. My neighborhood had them last night. (laughs) Thank you very much. (laughs) The dogs were all howling. Yeah, the dog doesn't like it. No, but uh, what are you going to do? It's once a year. I know, and they, and they're pretty. And yeah, I'm, I bought some fireworks. I'm sure my neighbors are going to yell and scream. Uh, well, about... you're the president of the condo association. You can do what you want. <laughs> I don't know about that, but I'm going to I'm going to see what I can get away with. Let me put it like that. So I spent uh, yesterday setting up. We're, we're having our Fourth of July party at the clubhouse tomorrow. Um, and so I set up the, the sound system and the video and all that so we can stream it and uh, people who are not here because it's, you know, a community of, I would say about a third to a half the people are part time. They come down in the, in the winter and escape the cold up there in the frozen tundra, Chicago and New York and places like that. So, but I got all that set up and, uh, boy, I'll tell you what, Ken, that, that TV's getting heavier and heavier to carry up there. We we ordered a TV, but we haven't gotten it in yet for the clubhouse, so I had to haul up my 46-inch LED. Oh, my God. Hard on the neck and back, dude. Well, you should got some help. The missus or somebody. You know, it's hard for me to ask for help. I'm, I'm uh, My mother harped on me. Now, Billy, I'm not going to be around forever, so you'll have to learn to take care of yourself and that. Every time I go to do something, that's in the back of my mind. I got to do it. Nobody else is going to do it for me. I know that's probably. Well, next time, give me a call. I'll come over and help you out, Doc. You won't even show up for your appointments. (laughs) (laughs) I had a little problem. I had a little. You know, it's Roger's fault. Yes, it is. It's Roger's fault. He probably crapped out on you, so you had to do the news. Well, it's it was a yeah. Well, that's exactly what happened. He had a you know he he had a specific thing he wanted to cover. On oh. on on uh, Friday on Thursday, so I had to switch some things around. Yeah, for those of you who don't know, Roger P. Shulman is the longstanding newsman at the broad at the Salem Broadcasting Stations here in the area, and he's been there what about a hundred years now. <laughs> <laughs> a few, let's just he, say a I few. Think, I think he got there right after Marconi uh, <laughs> radio. And well, anyway, I cover for him when he's out covering things, so. Yeah, yeah, and he's he's a nice guy. He's come and talked to me a few times and calls me every now and then for some uh, input on 
medical matter. Speaking of which, uh, one of my patients and friends and listeners asked me if I would do something on health care for older people and uh, what our leading causes of death were and how we can prolong our lives. And so I thought I'd give a little bit of time today. And then in the second half of the show, we'll go into the uh, into the little bit about the Constitution, not the Constitution, the Declaration of Independence, my bad. But that's what we're <laughs> celebrating, really. Yeah. Now, now, here's the thing, Ken. Do you know who died on this day, and on not this day, tomorrow in 1825? What famous Americans? Well, we had two presidents go on the same day. We did. Do you know who they are? Jefferson and uh, Adams, I believe. They each thought he, the other had died. In fact, what didn't Adams say Jefferson survives or something? What are like his last, last words? Yeah, and Jefferson did survive a few hours longer. Adams was our oldest living president uh, until this current era. Uh, he was 89 years old. I think Gerald Ford lived into his 90s, and I think uh, George Bush Sr. lived into his 90s, or 89 or 90, but we've had a few that have lived a little bit longer than uh, than Adams, but Adams was still a pretty old guy when he died. 89 did, not did, bad. Did they like each other? Were they, were they feuding at the time? I know they didn't. No. There, was a, there was a period there where they didn't like each other at all. Well, that was uh, in the, particularly during the uh, late 1790s when the Democratic Republicans and the and the Federalists were were uh, on the outs. You know, the Adams and Jefferson and Hamilton, uh, that gang. They wanted to form a, a fairly strong central government to hold the states together. And of course, Adams did not want to want us to get into the war between. Uh, Napoleon and, and the uh, and the Europeans and Northern Europeans and the English, and so we actually ended up in what was called the Quasi War in the late 1790s, and Adams built up one of the largest navies in our history. <laughs> he had several hundred ships of various sizes, and we ended up fighting the French in the Caribbean, having some uh, some uh, sea battles with them. But he was able to keep us out of what was actually a world war. You know, it involved uh, Africa, Asia, Europe, North America, South America. So it was a big deal. After the French had helped us, that seems like a rude thing to do. Well, you have to remember now that the French were kind of tardy in coming over. And uh, the founding fathers, for the most part, never, ever really wanted to, to uh, not be English they just wanted to be independent. So there's a big difference. And, uh, you know, Hamilton predicted that Napoleon would rise, that there would be uh, a Caesar, a dictator that would come out of the French Revolution. And, you know, the, the French Revolution, the day of celebration for that is the 14th of July, which is Bastille Day. But uh, Hamilton predicted correctly that it would end in disaster. It would end in a, in a dictatorship. And, of course, Napoleon crowned himself emperor. <laughs> And we saw that that painting at the Louvre when we were there. And uh, I, by the way, Ken, I had uh, we'd taken Zeke to to a Burger King or you know burger joint, so we had his little crown. And I said, "Give me that!" And there's this whole crowd of people that are out in the in the hallway there looking at the picture. And I ran up and I put it on my head, started to put it on my head, just like Napoleon was putting the crown on his head. And my wife runs up. <laughs> And tries to grab it away from me, and it looked like the arch. You know, it looked like the cardinal was trying to take the crown away from. Me. We snapped a picture of it. 
the whole crowd was laughing. They loved me. Young was upset with me. But that's life. What are you going to do? We had fun. You got to have fun in life, Ken. And that's probably the number one thing uh, I would say as we get older. I think and laughing is the best medicine. It's 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 good and keep keep your attitude positive. The people I see living into their late nineties, active, uh, positive attitudes. I had one guy lived a hundred and five, and he was still doing a real estate deal three months before he died. Well, his, as long as, as long as the mind as long as the mind stays healthy, you know. I hear a phone ringing, Ken. Yes, where's where's Yana? I need Yana. <laughs> no, somebody answer that damn thing. At any rate. <laughs> So, so here's the leading causes of death as we get older, over 65. Of course, heart disease is still on the top, but it's been going down over the past couple of decades, three decades, because of uh, good interventions, stents, and uh, angioplasty. And, of course, the statin drugs and the, uh, the, uh, the antihypertensive. So the two things I say that will make you live longest if you do have high blood pressure and high cholesterol or either an ACE or an ARB for your blood pressure and a statin, you know, like simvastatin or rosuvastatin or pravastatin, one of the statin drugs. And so these are the things that will protect your blood vessels in your heart and help you live longer. So heart disease is still a big deal, but it's gone down considerably in the past uh, couple of decades. And cancers, too, are going down, Ken. Death by cancers are going down. So we've got those two as, as still the, the main killers as we get older at 23% and 21% of the uh, total deaths. Uh, uh, you got to die of something. I mean, I'd rather die of a heart attack in my sleep than anything else. But That's the way to go. You're right. Or the wife shooting me. <laughs> Just make sure you do a clean headshot, baby. <laughs> That's all I ask. That's right. Make it That's quick. All I ask. If you're going to do it, do it. And then accidents still remain a, a big problem. And, you, you know, what we see a lot are people falling off of ladders, uh, falling, getting at, in and out of cars, uh, tripping on carpeting, tripping over furniture and uh, breaking a hip. And that's not a good thing, especially when we're in our 80s. You know, that that can be a fatal event. That can lead to a downward spiral where you're not active as you usually are. You're not up and about, and you can get pneumonia. And uh, th that, you know, they used to call pneumonia the old man's friend or the old people's friend because it would take their lives uh, when they were suffering. So, and that's uh, actually chronic lower respiratory diseases are also a, a big uh, cause of death in, in seniors. And that includes things like emphysema and chronic bronchitis. And, of course, you know how to prevent that, Ken, don't well, you? Well, you shouldn't smoke. And do you know anybody who smokes? I have uh, <clears throat> I'm sorry, what was the question, Doc? I'm, I didn't hear you there. <laughs> There'll be a test after this. There's a quiz afterwards. Yeah, I know a few. And then... Yeah. <laughs> and then the next thing is uh, cerebrovascular disease, uh, a blood vessel disease of the brain that both large vessel like strokes where you flick a clot off of your carotid artery into your neck and it gets lodged in a major artery in your brain. And also small vessel disease where the little blood vessels that have divided down multiple times uh, into the deep parts of the brain uh, start to clog off with age, high blood pressure, diabetes, uh, gout, uh, high cholesterol, all the things that inflame blood vessels 
autoimmune diseases like rheumatoid arthritis. And so what happens is these little blood vessels, they're actually feeding the tails of the nerve cells on the surface of the brain. You know, the gray matter. You know what that is? Um, no. The gray I matter. don't have much anymore, so. Yeah, <laughs> you can't remember. <laughs> it's thin again. So the gray matter is actually a gray-looking, very thin layer on the surface of the, of the, of the forebrain, the, cere- the cerebrum. And this is... These are the nerve cells that actually do all of the uh, all the work. They're active, and they they are the thinking and the coordination and all that. And they have these long tails that go down into the brain and and connect with other uh, like switchboards. So what happens is the blood vessels on the surface of the brain are feeding the cells and they're doing fine, but the tails also need some juice uh, because they're so further down than than the cell bodies. And so the, the small blood vessels, as they clog off, the tails start to die. And so we get what we call small vessel disease. It can cause dementia, uh, balance problems, uh, all kinds of problems, uh, choking, uh, sleep disorders. So that's a big deal, too. And then following that is Alzheimer's disease, diabetes, then things like influenza and pneumonia. And uh, suicide surprisingly rounds out the top ten. In this era, though, we had uh, we had the the COVID jump in there and and take a spot. But I guess you could put that in with uh, pneumonia and influenza. Basically, that's that's part of it. and that kind of boosted that up higher for for a few years here. We'll both see my, what happens. Both my father and my grandfather uh, passed away from uh, Alzheimer's and dementia. I'm not sure which one they were actually afflicted with, but. Um, is anything new on that? Every seems like every five or ten years we get somebody. Oh, we finally found what we need for this, and then it turns out to be nothing. Is there anything new on the forefront there? There's a lot of, of uh, research going on, and there are uh, proteins that are being identified, and there are, I, I know there are some new drugs coming out. Uh, I think they're still in their in their um, research stage in the clinical research, but uh, we know that there are things that can help prevent. Uh, dementia in the elderly and one of them believe it or not is drinking alcohol well now you're talking docs <laughs> <laughs> so uh I, I was reading the latest that came out from the cdc or uh, or the lancet or you know some organization that claims to know everything about everything and they said well you should moderate your drinking to i don't know 20 drinks a week or something like that and uh so i said wait a minute how do they know that? So I went and I, I read the literature. Guess what? If you drink moderately or moderately heavy, you decrease the incidence of dementia. So I felt better about that, Ken. I was like, Yahoo! <laughs> so we're talking like two a day, three a day, something like that. Well, yeah. I mean, look, what do you what do you put in a mixed drink? A couple of ounces? Right. Yeah. Okay. So that's like six ounces of forty uh, percent alcohol, right? Sounds right. Uh, so that's going to be uh, 2.4, 2.5 ounces of pure alcohol a day. And so let's say you drink uh, 100 ounces of beer at 6%. So so if you drink eight beers a night, you're you're drinking, eh, you know, double the amount of mixed drinks. But if you're only drinking four beers, five beers, six beers, that's not a big deal. Unless you already have problems like uh, high blood pressure or diabetes or uh, 
liver disease, then drinking can become a problem. You know, drinking will push up your blood pressure. Now, I know you want to know this, and I know this is really a burning question for you in particular, is where do you get the most bang for your buck in treatment? That's right. That's right. You get it from treating high blood pressure because that's still the major problem that leads to heart disease and, and, and brain disease and strokes and all that. And, uh, of course, smoking along with that is, is, a, is a bad thing, as I've pointed out to some of my friends over the years. <laughs> <laughs> so I've already got two strikes against me with the high blood pressure and the smoking, so I probably shouldn't start drinking, too. Well, unless you quit smoking and then you can drink. Oh, well, they kind of go together. <laughs> <laughs> when I have a drink, I want a cigarette. I'll now, work on it. I'm, I'm working on it, Doc. I'll work on it. Now, people say, well, what should my blood pressure be? And, of course, the the uh, the national bigwigs, they say 130 over 80. As we get older, though, our reflexes, uh, our baroreceptor reflexes uh, change. That's an autonomic, uh, unconscious phenomenon that occurs as when we stand up, our blood vessels constrict. Uh, this is a normal response to keep the blood from falling down into the legs and keep it up in the in the central part of the body and otherwise your blood pressure would drop and you'd pass out or if you stayed upright uh, over a time period you'd get swelling in your legs because the veins would engorge and there'd be pressure you know gravity pulls the blood down just like it pulls anything else down so as we get older though the baroreceptors don't work like they used to our autonomic nervous system doesn't do what it's supposed to do Things get older, and especially in people with small vessel disease of the brain. So I tell people, they say, well, my pressure is 150 over 80. And I say, well, we can go lower, but you may feel weak when you stand up. And sure enough, I have a lot of patients in their 70s and 80s who cannot tolerate a blood pressure of 130 can. So we keep it around 150 so that they perfuse their brain and they don't drop their blood pressure when they stand up. And how do you know if your blood pressure is over-controlled? Well, if you feel okay lying down and then you stand up and you get kind of woozy and lightheaded, dizzy, it uh, could be that your blood pressure is over-controlled. There's a lot of different medications we can use for high blood pressure. So there's a variety of choices. And if you don't, uh, you don't like one or it doesn't agree with you or you don't agree with it, there's a number of other medications out there. We've got a lot in our armamentarium now. So I'm in my 60s, early 60s, and you've got me tracking my blood pressure. I, wanted to, I got one of the devices at home. And uh, lately I've been around, I'm going to say 145 to the 83 mark, 145 over 83. How am I doing? That's pretty good for you. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Good. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm glad to hear it. Yeah, you know, we say 130 over 80, but... Uh, if, if you can get a little lower, that's better. But if, if you feel weak it, when it drops down, then, then stay where you are. 140 is the old standard. Now we're down to 130. You know, they keep dropping it on us every time we get to, you know, you reach a milepost and then they, these national committees on, on blood pressure and, and cholesterol, they drop it on you again. And then these guys come along and start saying, you got to cut down on your drinking too. Well, that's where I draw the line. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> That's not going to happen. We'll give up the cigarettes, but not the booze. Not the booze. The cigarettes are gone. <laughs> Hopefully, soon. 
So how long do we live now? You know? And it has political a- uh, effects as well. I mean, you consider Social Security. The longer you live, more of those checks got to come. That's right. So in the United States, uh, this is from a year or two ago, uh, both sexes at age 65 live an average of 19.6 more years. That's about 20 years. The women live longer, 20.8, and the guys, 18.2. And uh, there's also a socioeconomic factor and a uh, uh, racial factor to this, Ken. Uh, Actually, Hispanic Americans non-black Hispanic Americans live longer than white Americans. And, of course, the Asian Americans outlive us all. Dang. That woman's going <laughs> to... <laughs> I don't know. What, what can I do to make it even, Ken? <laughs> do we know why women live longer than men? I mean... Well, they're holier and purer. <laughs> okay, okay, I see. Sure. <laughs> they're nicer. And, now, and, I had a, and they're not up my... cleaning the gutters. No, they're not out cleaning the gutters. And one of my professors, uh, my electrophysiology professor in, 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 my re- in my fellowship, he said his theory was that it, it has to do with the number of heartbeats and that men have a higher heart rate. And there are studies out that show that almost all mammals have the same number of heartbeats during their lifetime. And once they reach that magic number, whether it's a hummingbird beating at 200 or 300 or 500 beats a minute or whatever, or an elephant beating at 50 beats a minute, once you reach that magic number, you're toast, baby. That's it, huh? Okay. Yeah. No, like, like I tell people, God gives you only so many fun credits. When you use up all those fun credits, dude, <laughs> you're toast. Yeah. <laughs> then, he, then he does that little finger waggle, you know, come here, buddy. Come on. <laughs> so, uh, but there is a, a, a disparity between uh, the wealthy and the poor, and it's about four to five years. And there's a disparity between the races, as I said before, and uh, it's actually fairly substantial with the Asian American population. They tend to live uh, several years more than uh, the rest of us. And I was surprised to read that the Hispanic Americans uh, actually had a, a longer lifespan. Who knew? That's why we do the research for the show. I understand the Italians as well. Something to eat, or maybe it's because they're drinking wine. I don't know what it is, but they seem to live long lives. Well, they say the Mediterranean diet is helpful because it's high in in unsaturated fats and, you know, antioxidants and all that, and the the wine, but I don't know. I have no idea what the actual etiology of that is, but it sounds good, and... uh, so if you want to live longer, you can become an Asian American or an Italian American. <laughs> <laughs> eat more pizza. Eat more pizza. Um, eat more rice and, and kimchi, and, and uh, there you go. So, so now we know who lives longest, and actually, the wealthier you are, the longer you live. That's probably a, a combination of you take better care of yourself overall, um, you have better health care. And there is a disparity, not a big disparity, but there is a disparity between people with insurance and without insurance. And uh, there's also got to be a disparity between people like me who can uh, uh, manage their own medications and who can order medications cheaply uh, because we have our, our wholesale uh, pipeline for our pharmacy. 
you know, our pharmacies for the Canadians can. We dispense some drugs to the Canadians and make a little extra money there. But uh, I can see why there would be differences. You know what else makes a difference? What's that? Dental care. Dental, dental care, really? Yeah, dental care. You have a higher risk of dying with poor dentition. And we see that in heart disease and in a number of other diseases, including infections and, and pneumonias and so on and so forth. So you got to take care of your teeth. Got to keep your blood pressure down. No smoking. Get that cholesterol under control. And if you're diabetic, take care of that. And one of the big problems in the back, black population, back population, <laughs> black population is high blood pressure. Uh, there's a genetic predisposition, and uh, so the incidence of uh, problems with hypertension are greater in the black community. And there's more percentage-wise, more black Americans on dialysis from, from kidney failure and deaths from kidney failure uh, than in the white population. And that's largely because of um, high blood pressure and, and kidney diseases related to high blood pressure. Of course, the diabetes adds to that too. And there's a higher incidence of diabetes in the black and in the Asian population, Asians including my wife, North American Indians, Native Americans, whatever you want to call them. And, Koreans that got lost and ended up over here 15,000 years ago. <laughs> Koreans that got lost. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I like that. <laughs> they like to wander. They really do. They're the the, the uh, Mongolians have wandered all over the world. They're they're interbred with almost every race on plant on the planet, and uh, and, and that's okay. You know, I like that. It, I find that fascinating. I'm 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 delighted to be married to somebody who is so adventuresome and has such a spirit. So what do we worry about, Ken? Well, we worry about cognitive decline. Am I getting demented? Am I forgetting things? Well, yeah. Are we on the air now? I can't remember. <laughs> Everybody has that. Everybody forgets where they put the keys, you know? Yeah. And I think that, uh, we get busy too. And as we get older, we get busier. And when you're busy, you forget things, but, a lot of us have small vessel disease as we age, and that does interfere with our cognitive abilities. And so cognitive decline is, is a very serious concern of, of, of older people. Balance, balance issues and falling, uh, and uh, that, that's a big deal. And we say three or more falls in one year significantly increases your risk of dying in the near future. Three or more. So put those grab bars in in the bathroom, I guess. Yeah, put the grab bars in. And ask for help. That's the hardest thing for us to do as we get older, as I pointed out to you early in the show. And, of course, oral health concerns, that's a big deal. Uh, Medicare Part A and B don't cover dental care. I think you can buy now some various parts or opt in for some various parts where you can get some dental care. And dental insurance has not been a big thing with the dentist. They haven't liked that. And some of them are starting to take it. And there's clinics out there that are taking it. Heart disease. And it's hard to convince people that if you don't take care of your blood pressure and your cholesterol, you're going to end up having a heart attack or a stroke. And I hear this over and over. I feel fine. I feel fine. I'm exercising. I'm doing everything. I've seen people with 90% blocked uh, left main coronary, not left main, but uh, left anterior descending coronary arteries, the widow maker, still active. And they say, I don't think there's anything wrong with me. Then they have some atypical chest pain or palpitations and we work them up and they end up getting a stent or bypass does ego play a role in this with guys especially they think ah, oh, just walk it off kind of thing you know it's just a little 
uh, muscle problem there in the chest. That's not really anything I should need, need to head to a doctor for. Nobody can tell me what to do, dude. Exactly. So I'm just wondering <laughs> if ego has a, it plays a little, especially on the guy side. I think so, and I, you know, I think that uh, th- that's probably learned behavior. But I don't know. It may be testosterone too. You know, guys, we don't want to admit when there's something wrong a lot of times, and uh, we don't complain as much. Yeah, we kind of work our way through it. So, which ends up in an early death, but <laughs> that's okay. <laughs> Yeah, another... Wait, we, we got to take a break here, Doc, in a second, but I want to do a question first before we do. And then I'll, I'll finish up on the uh, on the health concerns real quick, and then we'll do something else in the second half. Go ahead with the question. Okay, today's question for two, Dr. Bill, your radio MD mugs. Answer this question, first caller, at 877-969-8600 with the correct answer to this question. We'll win the mugs, and the question today deals with something Doc was doing earlier. I think you said yesterday you were setting up for something. What was Doc setting up for yesterday? A little trouble getting the TV into the room. So give us a call. What was Doc setting up for? First correct caller at 877-969-8600 wins uh, to Dr. Bill, your Radio MD coffee mugs. Yahoo! <laughs> now, I wanted to finish up on the, uh, on the uh, just a couple other major concerns uh, for elderly people is osteoarthritis and osteoporosis. You got to take care of that. And remember, weight-bearing activity destroys your joints. You know, jogging was a big deal in the second half of the 20th century because Bannister broke the four-minute mile. But really, that's not good for your joints. So swim, ride a bicycle, ride a stationary bike, uh, low-impact aerobics. And, of course, lung disease, COPD, and Ken can tell us all about that. Influenza <laughs> and pneumonia, so get your vaccinations. And vision and hearing loss, Ken, and with that... Let's go grab a cup of joe. I'm Dr. Bill. I'll be right back. All right, Doc. SRN News, I'm Michael Harrington in Washington. Fearing Russia might cut off natural gas supplies, the head of Germany's regulatory agency for energy is calling on residents to save energy and prepare for winter right now. Federal Network Agency President Klaus Mueller urging property owners to have their gas boilers and radiators checked and adjusted to maximize their efficiency and urging families to think about keeping the thermostat a little lower this coming winter. Clinics are shutting down abortion services in Texas after the state Supreme Court locked an order that briefly allowed the procedure to resume in some cases. It's the latest development as states set their rules following the reversal of Roe versus Wade. And Russia's defense minister says Moscow's forces have now taken control of the last Ukrainian-held city in Ukraine's Luhansk province this weekend. This is SRN News. Dr. Bill for Bay Area Medical, located at 6399 38th Avenue North in St. Pete, 727-384-6411, 727-384-6411. Full-service clinic with x-ray, heart imaging, ultrasound, stress testing, and minor surgery. We provide quality health care in a warm and friendly atmosphere. We are multilingual, well-trained, and certified. Most American insurance and new patients accepted. Bay Area Medical, home of CanCare, 727-384-6411. 
877-384-6411. Dr. Bill here. With social distancing and sheltering in place, telemedicine is here. Bay Area Medical Home of Can Care Clinic offers telemedicine for new and established patients. You can see me without an office visit. Schedule an appointment at 727-384-6411. 727-384-6411. When it's time for your appointment, type this web address into your cell phone or computer web browser, doxy.me forward slash Bay Area Med. A cell phone works well and is all you really need. For computers, you need a web camera and speakers. We'll give you this address when you call for your appointment. We accept most insurances and travel insurances. Canadians and visitors, please call your travel insurance company for an authorization number prior to the visit. Co-pays and deductibles apply. Self-pay rates are available. Just ask. We accept credit cards, PayPal, and Stripe. 727-384-6411. 727-384-6411. Dr. Bill here. My friends at St. Pete MRI and Sleep Diagnostics are your best choice for state-of-the-art MRI, CT, and sleep studies. Quality unsurpassed. 25 years experience makes St. Pete MRI my go-to imaging center. Self-pay rates are competitive and out-of-pocket cost a fraction of a hospital. Conveniently accessible from both sides of the bay at 750 94th Avenue North, St. Pete, near the Gandhi, 727-577-2220, 727-577-2220. The IRS doesn't mess around. If they want your money, they'll take it. They can take your paycheck and bank accounts, too, even threaten your home or business. Don't take on the IRS alone. If you owe back taxes, the smartest thing you can do is call Optima Tax Relief. The experts at Optima specialize in a powerful IRS tax assistance program called the Fresh Start Initiative. And their clients that qualify are saving thousands. One call starts the process to stop the demand letters, stop aggressive collection actions, and stop the IRS from targeting you. But don't delay. It's important to act now while you still have options. Optima is A-plus rated with the Better Business Bureau. Optima has already resolved over a billion dollars of tax debt for their clients. Get your life back. For tax help you need, for tax help you can trust, call Optima now for your free consultation. Call 800-965-1433. 800-965-1433. 800-965-1433. Tax Relief. Some restrictions apply. For complete details, please visit OptimaTaxRelief.com. It's time we realize a four-year degree isn't the only way to be successful. Training that gets you the knowledge and the skills can be just as beneficial, and you can do it in less than half the time. At National Aviation Academy, you can learn to work on and maintain aircraft in as little as 14 months. Call 800-659-2080 or visit WingmenWanted.com. Apply now. Visit WingmenWanted.com. For more information about our statistics, visit naa.edu slash consumer dash information. AM 860, The Answer. Online at theanswertampa.com. Odyssey. Here is your exclusive AccuWeather forecast. Mostly cloudy skies for today with a passing shower in the morning, followed by a thunderstorm during the afternoon and a high 93. Tonight, an evening thunderstorm in spots, otherwise clouds breaking, with a low of 79. Plan with confidence. Download the redesigned AccuWeather app today. That's your AccuWeather forecast. I'm Gregory Patrick for AM860, The Answer. And I'm back. This is Dr. Bill. Are you there, Ken? I am. Nothing like a little Sousa. To get your blood flowing and get that heart beating. 
isn't he wonderful? He is. I, he he was quite the he was the Elvis of his time. People used to come he from was. miles and miles and miles around to see his band. That's right. That's right. And uh, he 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 wrote some great songs too, some great marching songs, and I think he invented the tuba. He did. He invented the tuba. You're absolutely right. And the surprising thing about him is he wanted to write love songs. And he would write these beautiful, long, slow melodies. And somebody would say, he went, oh, speed that up a little bit. And he, it would turn into a fantastic march. <laughs> he, would write, he would write marches. He just didn't know he was writing them. Nice, nice. Very sweet. You know, and, and thankfully we have him as ours. He's an American. Yes. But he did he did invent the tuba, so every time you see a tuba player, thank Mr. Sousa. But you know, John Locke was not an American. He was an Englishman. I think he was actually Scottish. And he was a philosopher uh, in the late uh, he was 1632 to 1704 and he uh, was the person who argued for the inalienable natural rights of of people and the uh, the right to rebel against an abusive government. Did you know that? I did not. I thought that was Adams and Jefferson in the gang. No, they they stole all that from <laughs> other people. And uh, actually, a lot of the uh, phrases and the wording of the of the Declaration of Independence had been floating around uh, among the founding fathers for ten, fifteen years, and letters back and forth between uh, different members of the uh, of the founding group. And well, the there should be a footnote on the uh, Declaration then. Well, yeah, there should be, but uh, this is why I talk about it so that people can learn this. And, and the, the George Mason, he was the one who called for uh, a declaration of rights in the Virginia legislature, and that was passed. Uh, and he ended up also uh, being instrumental in the Bill of Rights and writing the Bill of Rights. And if you ever go to Washington, D.C., and you're near the Jefferson Memorial, if you walk across the street, there's a really nice little sitting. Well, it's not little. It's a huge uh, semicircular sitting area. And in the middle of it is George Mason. He's just sitting there so you can sit down and have a conversation with him. It's pretty cool. As in the Masons, the group? No, that that was his uh, – Mason was, an, was, a norm, was a common English name back then. Um, so he was not a, a – I'm sure he was a Mason. Most of the founding fathers were members of the Masonic Lodge. But, uh, ah, that's, that's where it came from. You're right. All right. Yeah, he was a lawyer. So the Declaration of Independence, it, it has several parts, the natural rights of man, the list of grievances against the crown, uh, the declaration that we're independent from you, and, uh, and then the kind of flipping the bird to, to King George. <laughs> Uh, you know, really, I mean, basically, they had tried since 1760 to come to terms uh, with uh, with uh, the crown and with parliament. And the only thing that the Americans wanted, the colonials wanted, Ken, was they wanted to have the right to vote. Did you know that? Uh, well, yeah, they wanted representation. That was the main grievance. And uh, after the uh, French and Indian War, the Seven Years' War in Europe, uh, the taxes went up and— uh, Things were a little edgy, and the American colonial said, wait a minute, we didn't get to vote on this. How come you're taxing us without representation? And and then there was some uh, minor rebellions, and the king moved troops into Massachusetts, especially into the Boston area, and that got everybody upset. 
And uh, they said, look, Dad, we just want to say if we're going to pay rent, we want to say in household affairs. And Dad said, no, you're too mu- you're too young and immature. And so being the good teenagers that we were, we rebelled. shooting. <laughs> And we've been doing it ever since. <laughs> oh, George, I wonder if you ever expressed any regrets. I don't. Probably I don't not. Know. You're a king. He, you don't make a mistake when you're king. Well, his prime minister said uh, the world has been turned upside down when Cornwallis surrendered at uh, Yorktown. Did you know that? I did not. Yeah. And so we have sayings that came out of our Declaration of Independence, like unalienable rights, which means that they can't be taken away. Uh, all men are created equal, life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. And these are all words that uh, gain popularity because of the Declaration of Independence and that people can set up a government to take care of these rights. And uh, the unjust use of power by the crown and uh, by basically by a strong central government, and, and that's something that we have been fighting. And, and I think we're still in that fight, Ken. I think, Yeah. We, we have the liberal left who wants a stronger federal, federal government. They want to take over everything, and they want to get rid of the states. And so all of these things uh, came to a head, and uh, a committee was formed, uh, a committee of five, to write the Declaration of Independence. And that consisted of Thomas Jefferson, Benjamin Franklin, Robert Livingston, Roger Sherman, and John Adams. John Adams plays such a huge part in every aspect of our uh, of our founding. Uh, you know, whether it was the Declaration of Independence or the Constitution or the uh, the establishment of the military. You know, he was the father of modern of our first Navy, and he wrote the rules of uh, conduct and war for the Continental soldiers. I mean, he this guy he was involved in everything, and he helped negotiate the first. Uh, deal with a foreign power uh, when he went to the Dutch and got a loan from them right after we gained our independence. So, tremendous guy. At any I, rate, I've been to Mount Vernon. I've been to um, what's the other one? Monticello. Monticello. I wonder if, if Adams must his home must also be a museum. I would think probably in probably Boston is, somewhere. But, I mean, he he was a pretty modest guy. You know, he was a lawyer and he he didn't really do very well because he was so busy with the country and uh but he he did lead a, a modest life that he was uh, came off of a farm up in massachusetts but bright guy oh my gosh and if you ever read his his biography i mean it is a tearjerker it is just a tearjerker what he sacrificed um he lost one son to alcoholism a daughter to breast cancer uh it just it goes on and on, and and he took his youngest son John Quincy with him on his second trip to to Paris to uh, be our legate. Legate? Am I pronouncing it right? Right? Legate? I have no idea. <laughs> to the French court during uh, the our ambassador to the French court during the Revolutionary War, and uh, he was known as a pest to the king, but uh, <laughs> he eventually got it done. So at any rate, so. These guys, the older guys, they turned to this young Turk from Virginia named Tom Jefferson. And uh, Jefferson had a real flair for, for writing and speech. And they said, Tom, we're going to give this to you. You're the best writer among us. And here's all of our ideas. And so they give all the ideas to Jefferson. And he put it together. And then he came back to the committee. 
and uh, they made a few minor changes, and then they sent it forward on the 2nd of July to the Continental Congress, who made a couple of minor changes, put a few things in, took a few things out, and on July 4th, they adopted it, and on July 5th, they announced it, and they sent it to the printer. Uh, and one of the big questions is why didn't they include women? And Abigail Adams, John Adams' wife, had said, look, if you're really serious about having universal suffrage, then you got to include women. <laughs> and, uh, of course, the guys weren't ready for that yet, I guess. <laughs> and I, I believe it wasn't um, the uh, abolishment of slavery in the Declaration originally, but they had to take it out because the South was going to walk out, I think. Um, no, they never got it in there because, uh, as Washington pointed out, our first task is to put the country together, and we'll let later generations fight that out, but we'll, we'll neither recognize nor abolish it. But they did have the three-fifths compromise because the South had such a smaller population that without including the slave population, they'd be way outvoted in Congress. So the South said, well, we want the three-fifths compromise, which was one of the great compromises, and it said that for every five slaves, you get three more votes. And, uh, of course, I, I guess that meant a little padding of the, <laughs> you, know, you <laughs> added a few more slaves than were really there, so he gets more votes. And uh, then the other great compromise in, in the, uh, I don't want to talk about the Constitution too much, but the other great compromise was the Senate, the Senate. And that equalized things out tremendously between the states. Otherwise, a lot of the states would not have joined the Union if it had just been the House of Representatives because the big states, population-wise, would just do what they want and without any concern for the little states. And the idea was to uh, have some equality not only among the people but among the states. And on this day, or actually on, on tomorrow, Frederick Douglass, the great black uh, uh, civil rights advocate and freed slave uh, who spoke through before and during the Civil War and after the Civil War, uh, he delivered a speech at, uh, I think it was at Buffalo on uh, July 4th in the 1860s. And he said, this is a day that white Americans celebrate, but not black Americans, because we don't have our independence yet. And then shortly after that, uh, I think uh, Abraham Lincoln issued the Emancipation Proclamation. And that kind of helped turn things around uh, and, of course, we we have the Juneteenth holiday now, Ken, because the Emancipation Proclamation in the 1860s, 1863, I believe it was, after Antietam, I think it was after Ant the Battle of Antietam that he declared that, or Gettysburg, I can't remember which one. At any rate, it didn't get down to, to uh, the slaves in Texas until sometime in the middle of June, and they weren't sure of the date, so they just said Juneteenth, somewhere between the the 12th and the 20th. Well, they weren't checking their Facebook. You see, that's the problem. Well, they didn't have, you know, the, the cable hadn't gotten down there yet. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they didn't even, have, they didn't even have telegraph yet, so it was a and my horse it, kind of thing. I think it was April uh, when, in April when uh, Lincoln issued that Emancipation Proclamation. So what happened? What were the events that led up to this? Well, in January 1776, Common Sense was uh, was uh, penned by, by Payne, and that went throughout the colonies, and that really stirred everybody up. And then uh, Patrick Henry uh, gave his little thing, give me liberty or give me death. You remember that? Sure. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, then in, in June of 1776, Richard Henry Lee 
uh, one of the uh, relatives of uh, the great Civil War general, General Robert E. Lee, he said that these United States and colonies ought to be free and independent. He entered that, he sent that as a resolution to the Continental Congress in June of 1776. And then in, in the uh, same month, Congress appointed a committee to look into this and say, can we do this to write a Declaration of Independence? And that's when Franklin and Sherman and Adams and uh, Robert Livingston and Thomas Jefferson were appointed to this committee. And they said, yeah, we can do it. Let's do it. Of course, New York, they didn't want any part of it at that point. <clears throat> and they actually didn't sign on until after the declaration had uh, had been written. <laughs> well, they've always been difficult in New York. They are difficult. And, oh, I was looking at, at the states where people live the longest and the two states where people live the longest, supposedly, New York and California. But you know what we learned during the pandemic, Ken? What's that? The New, York, New Yorkers and the Californians, they'd lie about their health statistics. <laughs> no, like, can I believe this? And, and guess what uh, state or one of the states that has the second longest lifespan is? I, I, uh, Florida. Florida. Hey. Yeah. There you go. Even though we have a huge older population, uh, we still have one of the longest lifespans of any state. No winter. <clears throat> that's why. Winter is rough on the body. So then on July 4th, everybody voted to send this thing out, and it went to the printers on the 5th or the 6th. And then on August 2nd, uh, by that time, all the signers had signed. And you know why John Hancock signed so big? I believe the king had trouble with his eyes, didn't he, or something like that? Well, that's what he said, but it was the custom of the day that the uh, that the president of the of the uh, committee, uh, whatever it was, of the body or the or the corporation, he would sign big, and then everybody else who had, had to sign would sign underneath smaller. Now we don't do that today because we're all you know so egalitarian, so everybody gets to sign the same size. <laughs> Although I like to write my my name a little bit bigger. <laughs> well, John had a nice signature. He did, and so uh, we uh, we have now this wonderful document that was uh, penned by Thomas Jefferson with the help of some other folks. And the ideas came from John Locke and other uh, philosophers of the era. And so the declaration, and, and some of the things that, that the colonials were upset about, as well as taxation and uh, troops being stationed in, in, in Boston and other cities because of uh, unrest and rebellion, were things like, you're not protecting us from the Indians. Did you know that? No, I didn't. No. Yeah, that was uh, one of the complaints. And another complaint was, you said if we fought and helped you with the uh, French and Indian War, that we could settle in the lands between the uh, Appalachians and the Mississippi. And more specifically, that would be Indiana, Ohio, uh, uh, <clears throat> Illinois, uh, Wisconsin, Michigan, all that land. And the king changed his mind after after the war was over in 1760. He said, no, he said, I got to save that for the Native Americans. And so the colonials were like, dude, these people fought against us. <laughs> You're giving them <laughs> land. <laughs> you know, we don't like that at all. And really, they did. You know, the, a lot of the uh, a lot of the Western what were then to us, the Western tribes between the Appalachians and the Mississippi fought uh, against us. 
in the 1760s, 1750s, I'm sorry, in the, in the, uh, in the French and Indian War. They fought with the French. They fought with the French. And then in the American Revolutionary War, guess who they fought with? They were the Eng- I'm sorry? They fought for the English. Yeah, they were so, you know, to the victor goes the spoils. Well, you know, they they played the politics and they picked the wrong side on on both accounts. So people say, well, we we took unfair advantage of them. Are you kidding? They were in the middle of it as much as anybody else. They just weren't well organized. And, uh, and, you know, people would say, well, they didn't have rifles. You know what? You could get off 10 arrows in a minute and you could get off if, if you had a muzzle loading rifle. If you were good, you could get off two in a minute. So you tell me who had the upper hand, and you know your your accuracy with a muzzle loader was about a hundred yards. But you had the same accuracy with a bow and arrow. You know. So, well, Doc, we got about four minutes left before we go too far. I want to get our winner in because we got a winner. Oh, let's do it. We had to take quite a few calls this morning to get to the winner. Folks not paying attention to the beginning of the show. Maybe they joined us late, late rather. But the uh, question this morning was, what did Doc set up for? Well, yeah, I think it was yesterday. You had to get a TV up there in the room and everything. He's having a big party. A big 4th of July party was the correct answer. And uh, Marie McIntosh of Bel Air, Florida had the correct answer. So congratulations to Marie. We'll be sending you out to Dr. Bill, your Radio MD mugs, for being the uh, correct answer today. And enjoy Thank your 4th of July there. Thank you. And by the way, McIntosh, Scotch-Irish name, and you know who played a big role in, in fighting for independence were... Uh, not only the uh, English Americans, but Scotch Irish Americans. There were also Black Americans that that fought in the Revolutionary Army and the Continental Army. And uh, so, Marie, we thank you and and uh, look forward to sending you a couple of mugs. That's that's a great thing. And I thanks, love. It. And thanks to everybody who called in and tried. Thank you, everybody. You know, I really appreciate the uh, the the support and the love that uh, comes from doing this show and knowing that there are people out there who are listening and, and uh, care and enjoy it. And that's important to me. I don't know if it's important to you, Ken. Oh, yes, it is. <laughs> you bet. Now, we got about two minutes left. Where's the declaration now? Is it, is, is it in the uh, Washington or is it in Philadelphia? I'm not sure exactly where they store it anymore. I know it's, it's protected in glass and all that stuff. Yeah, it's in the uh, National Archives in Washington, D.C., and you can go see that. Uh, now, they have the lights down low because the documents are starting to deteriorate from that era. And so it's it's all specialized lighting and you walk in and it's 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 almost, uh, uh, I would say, uh, a, a spiritual religious experience. I'm you know, I'm not a big I don't believe in all that, but it, it really does grab you emotionally. And uh, you walk around and see this. And, and there's uh, also, I think, one of the. Uh, bigger copies that they sent to the king you know they they and that in those days it was like if you wanted to really make a point you made a poster out of a letter and then you wrapped that up and sent that forward <clears throat> and there were i think the original printer there were something like 25 copies still in existence uh held by various uh governmental agencies, states, and federal government agencies, and I think there's three or four or five that are in private hands. Uh, the original uh, handwritten document, I don't know if that still survives. Uh, I think it does. I think that's what it th- is at the, in the National Archives. Fascinating to see that. If you get the chance, go see that. And, and I know uh, they've taken it out. They took it out during World War II and put it in a vault somewhere, sent it someplace for safety. Yep. 
And so remember, when in the course of human events, it becomes necessary for one Thank people you to for listening talk to Dr. Bill. Doctor, we're out of time. Sorry, Mr. McLeod. Out of time. All right, I'm out of here. I love you. For more insight, information, provocation, and fun, Dr. Bill Handelman practices in St. Petersburg, Florida at Bay Area Medical Can Care Clinic, 6399 38th Avenue North. For your convenience, telemedicine appointments are available. Call his office today at 727-384-6411. That's 727-384-6411. Or visit his website at Clinic. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.